we're on another encounter with Jesus and someone that he meets in the Bible. It's from John chapter 4. Jesus meets the woman at the well, at Jacob's well. But before we start to read from um, the passage, I'd like you to imagine the scene. Jesus meets this Samaritan woman. It's a hot day. It's been a long and dusty walk. And the two of them meet under the midday sun by the well. And Jesus simply asks them, or asks her, for a cup of water. And that simple question, that simple conversation, would change her life forever. And Jesus will later offer her living water that leads to eternal life. The message puts it like this. The water I give will be an artisan spring within, gushing forth endless life. I love that phrase, don't you? Gushing forth endless life. Fountains of endless life. As we enjoy the all that God has prepared for each one of us every day. And Jesus would offer that us that living water here today, this morning. As we gather here to hear his word and worship him. God's refreshing water. And it may only be a spring in each of us, but it can turn into a river of life. But we may have gathered here, as the Samaritan did, not having a real clue what Jesus meant when he said, I will give you living water and you won't thirst again. Or you may have come here this morning a bit parched and a bit dry. And you want something more of God and you're waiting for it. Or you could come here this morning and you're on fire for God. And you want to see more of God's power and more of God's glory in this place. So that Jesus' name may be proclaimed across this town. That we may all enjoy God's endless river of life. So however you've come here this morning, I'd just like us to spend a quiet moment before God. Asking him to come before us. Asking him for that living water to touch each one of our lives. I'm reading from the message version. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came into Sakra, a village, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, worn out by the trap, sat down at the well. It was noon. A Samaritan came to draw water. Jesus said, Would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh, living water. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with. 
And this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you better than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock that passed it down to us? Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst again, not ever. The water I give will be an artisan spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I won't ever get thirsty, won't ever have to come back to this well again. He said, Go, call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she said. Nicely put, I have no husband. You have had five husbands, and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke the truth, sure enough. Oh, so you're a prophet. Well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshipped at this mountain, but Jesus insists that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, right? Believe me, woman, the time is coming when the Samaritans will worship the Father neither at this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But the time is coming. It has, in fact, come. When what you're called will not matter. And where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before me, before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of the people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. The woman said, I don't know about that. I do know the Messiah is coming. When he arrives, we'll get the whole story. I am he, said Jesus. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. Just then the disciples came back. They were shocked. They couldn't believe that he was talking to that kind of a woman. No one said what they were thinking, but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and left. In her confusion, she left her water pot. Back in the village, she told the people, Come see a man who knew all about the things that I did, who knows me inside and out. Do you think this could be the Messiah? As they went out to see for themselves. In the meantime, the disciples pressed him, Rabbi, eat. Aren't you going to eat? He told them, I have food to eat you know nothing about. The disciples were puzzled. Who could have brought him food? Jesus said, the food that keeps me going is that I do the will of the one who sent me, finishing the work he started. As you look around right now, wouldn't you say it's about four months it will be time to harvest? Well, I am telling you, 
Open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. These Samaritan fields are ripe. It's harvest time. And as I was preparing, maybe we need to open our eyes. Maybe it's our harvest time in Crawley. The harvester isn't waiting. He's taking his pay, gathering in this grain this, that's ripe for eternal life. Now the sower is arm in arm with the harvester, triumphant. That's the truth of the saying, the one who sows, that the one who harvests. I sent you to harvest a field you never worked. Without lifting a finger, you have walked in on a field, worked long and hard by others. Many of the Samaritans from the village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. He knew all about the things I did. He knows me inside and out. They asked him to stay on. So Jesus stayed two days. A lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. They said to the woman, we are no longer taking you on your say-so. We have heard for ourselves and know it for sure. He is the saviour of the world. There is a lot we could share from this passage, but we're focusing this morning on Jesus' encounter with a Samaritan, a Samaritan that the gospel writer doesn't even give a name to, and a woman we hear nothing from after this encounter. This Samaritan woman is alone at noon drawing water, and I guess probably because of her five marriages and living with a sixth partner. She, I guess, must have come a bit of a, a social outcast, probably a misfit in our own community, and now let alone speaking to a Jew. Samaritans and Jews learned to hate one another. Samaritans stayed behind when um, Jews were taken off to Babylon and mixed uh, with the locals that were there. So they became a mixed Jewish race with, with the locals. And the Jews came back and thought that they were far above them, that, that they were pure Jews. They hadn't mixed and intermarried. And so the Jews started to look down on the Samaritans and see them as unclean. And as the years rolled on, that animosity between the two, the Samaritans and the Jews, increased year by year. And I guess even that Samaritan woman coming into a church or many of our churches today, if we knew she'd been married five times and was living with somebody else, it may raise a few eyebrows or two. Whatever next? But I think Jesus always picks the most extreme cases that he can find to prove his point. That there is no one beyond his reach, no one beyond his love, However, on this day, Jesus could not have picked a worse person to share a drink with. The disciples returned and say, they were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of woman. No one said what they were thinking, 
but their faces showed it. Have you ever felt a misfit in church or perhaps in life? Others seem to be doing a better job than you, that you're not listened to, you're not one of the in crowd, whatever we perceive the in crowd to be or whatever that in crowd is supposed to be. If I'm honest, I can feel like that sometimes here. As much as we have a loving church, sometimes we can feel overlooked or lost within a church. Or at least that's the way I feel when the battle is raging around me rather than trusting and waiting on God. Trusting not in my feelings but on the truth that God says who I am in his word. You try to do what's right but you can see it in people's faces what they really think of you. The woman had seen that look so many times as they looked upon her and it hurt her every time they looked at her. I guess for her it would have been so easy to walk away. But then Jesus asked that loaded question. Samaritan, go fetch your husband. At that point she could have easily left as well and said, I have no husband and wandered off. However, at this point... She realises there's something different about this man, recognising that he was a prophet. And I wonder if we had more words of knowledge or prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit using, being used openly in this church, our deepest secrets revealed, I wonder whether church would be a very different place. We would certainly understand the fear of the Lord this God that knows us inside and out. There's that, um, I think it was a politician that sent round a note to his friends. Flee, all is revealed. And about three people left the country, I think. But nobody knew what they were fleeing from. But the good news is that when someone comes to share a picture or a passage, or a word, they share it as an act of love. Jesus spoke truth and revelation into this Samaritan's life. She went from being asked from, for a simple drink, from social outcast, to becoming the town evangelist by God's Spirit. Yet they still did not fully believe her testimony, and wanted to see for themselves. And I guess sometimes we think evangelism is quite difficult. But a simple question, can I have a drink, opened up a world of possibilities to this lady. She did not have a New Testament to hand. She had no real understanding of Jesus' love for her, the price that he would ultimately pay for her sins to be forgiven. But she did start her journey of faith where she was as she listened to the Messiah. And at least she knew the Messiah was coming, was on his way. At least she had some expectancy of meeting God. 
And I wonder whether she had Isaiah 12 on her mind as she met with Jesus that day. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away and you comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to God. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the nations. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praise to the Lord for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy. O royal Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. And do we need to draw from that well of salvation, as this Samaritan woman did, and go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus' friendship for us all? And at this point, not only does Jesus offer her living water, but he also reveals that he is the Messiah, And he didn't often do that. He's saying a new kingdom is being ushered in. A new community is coming where the true worshippers will worship me in spirit and in truth. A simple drink changed her life from social outcast to child of God. To the good news of the gospel being proclaimed. And that's God's call to us today is to simply go, receive from him his living water, be transformed from the inside out and share what Jesus has done with us in the communities that we live in. Now, we're supposed to end um, a sermon with a letter and um, I've used a bit of poetic license because I think this is the letter that um, God would write to this Samaritan woman. I know you, have must, you must have lots of questions and you're probably doubting what's really happened. But I do love you with an unconditional love. I know you inside and out. Nothing is hidden from me. Yes, I know all about your husband's The first died, and that was hard. But I felt your pain and wept with you. Your second husband abused you. But I'm not sure you would have listened to me even if I'd said don't marry him. And I can see why you left. But in your heart, you have been faithful to me as best as you can. And my grace goes beyond your best efforts. The past is the past. If you come and follow me, walk with me, let my spirit guide you into all truth. Then we can start a new life together. Trust me, I have been doing this a while. You have a chance to build a new life, to be part of a new community. The opportunity to worship me in spirit and in truth. 
Don't let your past hold you back. A life of joy awaits. You will still have many challenges to work through whilst on earth. That's to be expected if you follow me wholeheartedly. But rest in my peace. Keep going in the small acts of kindness. Every cup of water given in my name, I will remember in heaven. Remember, you are my chosen child, loved and special in my sight. When you are with me in heaven for eternity, you'll fully know how much you are loved. And you will even have a new name. Now go, live your life. Go and live in the power of the Spirit. A life without borders. Change lives as I have changed yours for my glory.